What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. You could see it. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. So, this is the first time that we are recording under the name of The Curly Cultivation. So, we were just kind of talking about this, and then I screwed up the recording, and so kind of restarting it. Uh, but, so this, uh, this episode is going to be over trash. We're calling it the trash talk. And one of the, like, I've been obsessed with trash, I think, from a little kid. Um, in some regards, we'll get into that later with the reduce, reuse, recycle propaganda and, uh, ad campaign that was run, uh, back whenever I was growing up. But the other day we were cleaning out the barn, which I think is the third time we've done it. Probably. Probably We do it maybe once a year, once every other year. Yeah. Once a year, once every other year. And I mean, we were, we got the leaf blower out. I probably blew the thing out probably seven or eight times uh, as we cleared stuff and threw stuff away and moved stuff around and and reordered the barn. But the whole thing is like filled with things that you might need at some point in time. Well, and this barn was originally my great-granddad's, and there is stuff in there that still belonged to him. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's they, literally just old stuff that has been laying there. They, uh, they'll, like, come across something that's on the ground and say, well, that's an antique. And, you know, your grand, your great-granddad might have said the same thing. So he yeah. might have just been holding on to this thing because it was old, you know. But tons of stuff in there. But it's interesting because you have to go through and you have to delineate what is trash and what is not trash, Right. And then, then what happens to the trash once we decide it's trash, right? We don't need it here anymore. So where, what happens to it? Uh, another reason that I kind of got to thinking about this, and, and we'll come back to this at probably closer to the end of the episode, is uh, I've been working a lot on compost, on building my compost, on having compost. Uh, our garden right now is kind of running on my compost piles Mm -hmm. uh we haven't brought any in but i've been experimenting and creating different piles and uh it's fun because that you know like i talk even with some of the people i work with because i've started collecting compost uh whenever i'm at the station and uh it's fun because it's like well it's trash unless you put it in this other bucket then it's compost and it quite literally makes soil right now it's like how cool and it's the same thing still, but one, it has a purpose beyond the trash bag. And the other is that defines it, right? Is it being in the trash bag? Is it no longer being useful? And in some cases, toxic, actually, which is kind of crazy that we, as a, as a society, as a planet, as a being, produce toxic waste, which will kill you. Um, so that's kind of crazy. So that's kind of the context and the introduction. I've wanted to do this episode for a long time and we finally kind of just decided to to jump off on it you know just to do it and so um 
one of the things that I think is pretty fun is uh, archaeology. It's a weird, you know, study of of ancient peoples and uh, forgotten peoples. And a lot of the times they judge the societies based off of their trash piles. They'll come across an encampment and the way that they can tell what they were eating or like some of the finer subtleties of their society is through these big piles, heaps of trash that they have. Um, and then I also was thinking it's, it's kind of interesting, the like ruined temples. Uh, I don't want to go into this too far cause Shannon always rolls her eyes a little bit whenever I start on it. But, um, you know, we have all of these, uh, old trashed out temples from the ancient world, whether it be Egypt or Peru or a lot of actually a lot of the Americas and a lot of the world, right? There's Easter Island has the Moai. And so there's a lot of these like relics, right? That were basically discarded, it seems like, as not ever as trash, but, you know, forgotten kind of like they were trash. Anyway, it's fun that archaeologists define cultures based off of their trash. And now our current culture is producing an incredible amount of trash. Well, and kind of like you're saying, if you go back throughout history and look at the trash, especially when you look way back, it was temples. And then pottery and bones used as tools. So when you look back throughout history, there was a lot of trash that we wouldn't even see as trash today. It's just We like, actually see it as treasures today. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, I think up until like very recent history, the trash that you had, it wasn't just waste. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think a lot of it too is like being sentimental because I do think of my grandmother who held on. I mean, she still has stuff from like her grandparents because she held on to it. It's very sentimental to her because it was something that they had their entire life. It well, wasn't necessarily just like uh, disposable things. Like they, they bought really nice things and held on to it. I've never thought about this until just now. But whenever you said the, that term sentimental, you know, uh, with our kids, both of them, they will take a piece of trash and make it. Very, it's very important. It has a personality. It's almost like Tor Story. What was it for? With the oh with trash, yeah, Torky or whatever. Torky. And it's interesting because it is like if you ascribe meaning to it, then it almost never loses its value, even after it's used. Then it's like almost like a relic or like a memory of. This what? might be a little bit of a tangent, but you know, Mary Kondo. Who oh, yeah. was the famous Japanese lady for clutter, like right. tidying. For people who don't know. Yeah. So her big thing is, like, let's say you're going through your clothes and you get rid of it. And, you know, her whole big thing is you want only things that spark joy. But now if you're getting rid of something, you hold it close to you and you say thank you and then you let it go. And there's a lot of people who kind of laugh at that. Like, why are we saying thank you to this, like... Inanimate object. Yeah, inanimate object. Inanimate. Yeah. But... Her whole point is, like, we have to respect our things. We have to appreciate our things. They're made by people. They're made, I mean, often in, like, horrible conditions. We need to be respectful of what this is. And if we're going to let it go, let's let it go. But let's be aware of what it went through and, like, let's pay it respect. Well, it is interesting because we are so flippant often. I mean, I especially think of this with our kids and food. Um, they've always had food and they've always had plenty of good, healthy food. 
And so they're kind of spoiled to it, and they yeah. just let it sit on their plate, and they're just kind of like, oh, you know, food will always be there or whatever. They have, they're almost flippant, and they don't acknowledge the immense uh, beauty of having that thing on your plate. Like, uh, I think of, uh, you know, you always hear it when they talk about immigrant families that were big families, and it was like dinner time was a fight. You were fighting for food. You were trying to get as much as you could because there wasn't going to be any left. Yeah. You know? Actually, in the book right now, I'm reading Angela's Ashes. So if no one knows the story, it's about, like, poverty in the 1930s and 40s in Ireland. And it's through the eyes of this boy who is the author. He's writing about his life, and it's just horribly sad. But he, they always talk about if they can afford an egg. Like, an egg is the best thing in the world. He always says, like, in heaven they have to have eggs. And if you can get, like, a boiled egg, you're rich. You know? And, mm. and of course, they're extremely poor, so it's something that they maybe have one time a year is a boiled egg. And it's just... So crazy. Yeah. Um, and so... Let's see, we're, we're, we're still on archaeologists. What were you saying on that? Oh, just that I think when you think about how much trash has changed whenever we considered again like you had mentioned i think yesterday or something about how bones were trash like people used bones as tools and that would be trash you know quote unquote and uh, now when you look at our trash it's literally just um coke cans chip wrappers packaging cardboard all this paper like it just is so much so wasteful like i don't know Yes. It's just different. And so, yeah, I think looking at that and saying, what does this say about us, is incredibly revealing, I well, think. Well, I, I really like the trope. It's almost like a science fiction trope of, you know, it's, I don't know, science fiction versus maybe just archaeology, like Indiana Jones, right? Think about Indiana Jones and, like, the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, that's the one that starts off at the beginning and he's in the, uh, the temple. And he has to like go through all the booby traps and then get the treasure and make it out. And he has to fight cannibals for the treasure. And, and I think about that and I'm like, wow, you know, like that's a cool vision, you know. And what was the society that created that tunnel with all the booby traps? And then you, uh, to juxtapose or compare it to the opening scene of Wally, right? Where you have this abandoned ancient world. But what is it? It's just a huge trash trash heap. And there's this like one lone robot that basically represents human, like human spirit, right? And it's just cleaning and picking through the trash Mm -hmm. and trying to find meaning. And so it's just always funny. Like, you know, there was societies that left the pyramids on Giza. There were societies that left, you know, the monuments of you know, uh, Machu Picchu and stuff. And then, uh, our monuments are going to be these huge holes in the ground that are full of plastic hazardous waste. You know, it's just kind of like, man, like I, we're definitely missing something. Well, I read this quote in the book Garbology and I just thought it was good summary because it says trash is nothing less than the ultimate lens in our lives, our priorities, our failings, our secrets, and our hubris. And so I do think when you're looking at it from like an archaeological lens, like what does trash say about us? Mm -hmm. Because it does. It reveals who we are. 
Oh, yeah. No, it definitely. And it's kind of depressing when yeah. you see who we actually are. Um, so we were going to talk about like a quick uh, brief history of trash. You want to take this take this part over? Yeah, just uh, this will be really brief. I just know for me at least, it's not something that I ever really thought about because I think when you're so used to it just being the status quo, like we just have trash, we take it out, we've got dumpsters, they empty it. You don't necessarily think where it came from, how long it's been, whatever, you know. So, when you mentioned the landfills, I kind of started looking into that just a little bit. And what was actually really surprising to me is that the first, like, considered modern landfill, because, of course, there's always been, like, trash piles, you know, throughout history. Oh, yeah. But what's considered, like, the first modern sanitary landfill was in 37. And I don't I mean, that's, you know, I mean, 100. Less than 100 years. Yeah. But it, like yeah. years ago. Like, when you think about it, that's not that long ago compared like that was to all close of to when your granddad was born. Human history. Yeah, and so it wasn't really until the 70s that they really started having like waste management, waste regulations. Um and again, like that's recent. That they really started to have to think again that because this is hazardous, we cannot just pile up stuff. It creates gases and it will explode. <laughs> Like, this has to be done a certain way. It well, It's getting into our air. It's getting into our oceans. We need to be really, really careful. And that wasn't until the 70s that they really started to consider that. And, I mean, I guess for me, I just, I didn't realize how recent. When you do look at the landfills, which I really think we should post pictures in our blog or something, just of landfills and of the big, um, like, ocean trash. Right. Because I don't, I don't know if you really understand until you see it. The magnitude. Yeah. Well, I, I did one of the things I was doing, uh, preparing for this episode was, I was looking up. I, for some reason, I remembered, um, Indian, like as in India, trash heaps, and these people that were living on the trash heaps, basically. Yeah. And so I looked up a couple of the videos, and around New Delhi, outside of New Delhi, there's a couple. Well, one of these landfills lit off and it burned for like two months and just dumping smoke and fire and yeah. and they couldn't put it out and it took them a really long time to put it out. Well, all of the people who were surrounding that area, it's India's already notorious for like terrible air quality. And then this fire, this trash fire was burning for two months. Yeah. Like... Just trying to measure the amount of, like, impact on just humans as far as cancer and disease. Well, I think, yeah, whenever we think about scientific studies, right, and you look at how long studies go on, and then you look how recent some of these issues are, that they really can't know the impact of it long term because it hasn't been long term. And so real quick, another thing that I was kind of looking into is the shopping bag, the plastic shopping bag. Mm. Because again, that's just something since I've been a kid, I've always seen it. I've never not seen it at a grocery store. Like I'm not old enough to have known a time before it. You know what I mean? And so when I looked it up, it was interesting. So it was technically invented in the 30s, but it really did not become ubiquitous until the 70s. And even then it wasn't ubiquitous it was just starting to get introduced there's a plastic or so it was introduced in america in 79 in 82 
two of the largest grocery stores started offering it, which were Safeway and Kroger. But people didn't get it. Like, why would they use a plastic bag when they have bags? Um, then it became really a hit in the 80s because that's when corporations started understanding that it was cheap. That it was really cheap for them to make it and not have to produce paper bags or reusable bags. And so that's when it became like, it's almost like it didn't matter what the consumer wanted. Corporations were going to use it and they were going to offer it Mm. and you were going to take it home with you. And then since then, it's just become so much of the status quo that I don't, I've never really questioned it. I mean, obviously I like to take my bags when I do, but I've never really stopped and thought like, when did this start? You know, right. But it is kind of funny. I always think of this at the grocery store. Like whenever I see people putting bananas in plastic to put in their plastic sacks, we peel bananas. You don't even have to keep them clean. It's not like, hey, an apple I can maybe understand. Although it's not like you don't wash it. But when I see bananas, it's like they literally have a peel. You don't need to put them in plastic to put them in plastic. Like, I don't don't get it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so it's just some of it we've never questioned it. And then when you look at how recent it really is, like, the 80s. It really took off in the 80s. That wasn't that long ago. And now look where – look at it. Like, look how how much there is of it. Yeah, and it it seems like – the ad campaigns of like reduce, reuse, recycle, we've got to be planet first, we've got to be less consumeristic, right, has really ramped up alongside with production. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because it's not like it, it was always a reaction. It wasn't like, oh, what did we do? It was like almost at, from the beginning, like almost like the corporation said, okay, we're going to start producing a ton of plastic. But we're also going to produce a whole ad campaign making people think that we're taking care of the plastic so that they just can create this cognitive dissonance and just not even pay attention to the fact that we're creating the problem that we're telling them we're fixing or something. You know, it almost seems to me, of course, I'm very conspiratorial. So my my mind instantly goes. I don't think it's conspiracy. I think it's profit. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, but I don't But it, it care. would be a conspiracy to hide or disguise the truth. This is actually something I did read that I found interesting, is when you look into trash facts, which I'll get into in a little bit, a lot of the numbers are actually skewed to look better than they really are. So, like, again, in the book Garbology. Yeah, I mean, they look horrible. (laughs) And the guy who wrote Garbology is a journalist, and he said, when you really dive into the numbers and you do the math, they're reporting less trash and higher uses of recycling that really exists. Wow. Yeah. So, whatever numbers we're going to tell you, it's probably, which it's interesting with just the entire collapse of Western civilization that we're currently experiencing, which it does. seems to me like I could be wrong, but it seems like the vast majority of people that are around me don't realize that we are in the midst of a collapse. Like all of these institutions. It's starting to show. Right. It's starting to show, but it's not people don't just understand that all of these different systems that we're being told are propped up and are secure and sturdy. All of them are crumbled. Like not crumbling. They have crumbled. Yeah. There, there is no like the Federal Reserve monetarily. You know all of these different things. It is gone. You know, 
And so it's funny whenever we even like hear where we're at and, you know, you know, um, we, it, it's less common now, but, uh, 70 years ago here, there was garbage heaps on everybody's property. You know, like we're still digging up some of your granddad's cans yeah. or your great granddad's cans, uh, from where he just drink beer and throw them in a pit and other people around here, you know, we come across it, but at least they were holding on to their trash or like almost keeping a chain of custody of it. Now we just ship it all out. Well, yeah, I think before you really had the dumps, the, the dumps, the landfills and dump trucks and dumpsters and like city trash, you took care of your own trash, mm-hmm. which then at least you're having to recognize what you're wasting. Whereas now it's just out of sight and mind. You don't consider what it is and or how much it is. So at least you used to have to you deal with it yourself, which then forces you. It's like, well, let's use glass as opposed to this because we can reuse it. Right. And we don't then have to deal with this trash. So I do think it put a little bit more responsibility on yourself to have to um, use less trash. And I think it was also acknowledged that the corporation would eat a little bit of the cost of packaging and not put it all onto the consumer. You know, like yeah. back then it was probably like, hey, it's going to cost an extra 5%. To package it in glass over plastic. And uh, I could see a corporation saying, well, let's charge the 5% and still put it in the plastic. Yeah. Right? It's like almost, uh, you know, it's evil. It sounds evil, but it's almost a no-brainer at the same time. (coughs) Yeah. Like, why would you not make more money? So do you mean to tell you some interesting trash facts? Yeah, hit me with the the, uh, Shan's trash facts. Okay. So the average United States resident produces over 4.9 pounds of trash per year. Or per day, sorry. Per day, I was supposed 4.9 pounds per day, which Ooh. equals roughly just a little less than 1,800 pounds a year. Wow. So they say the average American leaves behind 90,000 pounds of trash in their lifetime. 90,000? That's what we're leaving behind, just behind us for future generations to deal with. Yeah, here you go. Here's my One 90, person 000. making wow. 90,000 pounds of trash. One person. Yeah. And it doesn't just disappear. It doesn't go into the garbage can and go away forever. Right. You know, like we're actually leaving behind this physical trash. Oh, yeah. That's wow. kind of amazing. Then Americans make up roughly 5% of the world population, but we produce about 25% of the world waste. Yeah. So this was one that I found differing numbers on depending on whose numbers you're following. So originally I found that we make up about 12% of the world's waste. But then the journalist was saying, if you actually go through the numbers and do math and see where they're kind of fudging them a little bit, it's closer to 25% of waste. Wow. Of the, of the whole world's waste. We make up one-fourth of it. Yeah. Um, about a third of the U.S. waste is just from product packaging. It's just, I don't know. It's just a lot. Um, okay. So today, most communities spend more on waste management than they do on schools, Fire department, police department, libraries, parks, anything else. Damn. Waste And you know what's crazy is that is corporations that are pawning that off on the taxpayer. Yeah. They're like, we're going to produce all this trash and make all this money, and then it's up to you to clean it up. Yeah. Damn. Okay. New York City residents throw out enough garbage each day to fill the entire Empire State Building. Wow. Every day. Every day. Yep. Let's see here. Oh, this one's just kind of interesting. Americans throw away 5.7 million tons of carpet each year. 
Just wow. random stuff that we don't think about. Here's another interesting one. Only 3% of the world's children live in the U.S., but Americans buy 40% of the world's toys. Damn. Which, I mean, I believe it because... Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's a lot. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Let's see. For food, Americans throw out roughly um, 1,200 pounds of garbage that could be compost. That soil, people. Yep. Just throwing it away. If one-fourth of the food currently lost or wasted could be saved, it would be enough to feed about 870 million people. Just one-fourth. See, and I think this is one of the things that always gets me whenever we start talking about this is, you know, people want to talk about how jacked up our world is and how unfair it is and how... um I guess bad it is. It's like we have a system that can throw away enough food to feed probably, well, not most, uh, a, a large portion of the world's population. Mm-hmm. And it's like, think about how much energy we're spending and waste we're creating to produce this amount of food that we're just yeah. discarding. I mean, not to take this on a tangent. But that is quite literally Karl's Marx, Karl Marx's point. And again, I'm not, I don't agree with his suggestions, but his critique of capitalism was that if we have enough waste, like if we have so much waste that we could be feeding everyone and we're deliberately choosing not to for profit, that's kind of well, it's like wrong. In the, it's like in the Grapes of Wrath, whenever yeah. they find them, you know, they got all these kids that are starving in California migrant workers and they're literally burning and like letting food waste yeah because they need to make the money because they they want to create jack up the supply okay just a few more facts i'm almost done okay so annually more than 14 billion pounds of garbage are dumped into the ocean wow 14 billion pounds i mean that's just oh it just hurts you know so they said about 60% of all seabird species um, and about 20% of all sea turtle species have found have been found with plastic inside of them. So, and then here's just one more last fact. About 3 to 6 million Americans are thought to be hoarders. It's quite a lot. I believe that. I've yeah. been in so many hoarder houses. And I mean, it's it's one of those things when you really see it, you feel sorry for the people because they're like such cons- they're consumed in this like sort of neur- uh, neurotic behavior yeah. that is like literally literally killing them in a lot of the cases you know it is it's just wild when when you think that we were like promised that technology would lead to this almost uh, utopia you know, or not the not the actual word meaning of utopia because that's not you know it's utopia. Like, the literal word means nowhere, nothing. Right. It was supposed to be a joke because be utopia joke. will never exist. But it's kind of funny because if you imagine back to you know, I think we've been talking about this a little bit recently with uh, provincial life in like France, right? As long as your monarch wasn't being a weirdo and your religious people were kind of kept to a, a calm 
uh, fervor, probably was pretty badass. Hey, you farm this little chunk, you produce what you can, you trade, right? They probably didn't produce very much waste at all, like in that time frame. And it just kind of, it's interesting to imagine like a humanity that is in equilibrium with the environment around them. Now, granted, uh, an equilibrium based society maybe doesn't produce rocket ships and nuclear Well, I warheads. just think it's the way I think about it, which I've actually discussed before in the podcast, is there is no good, there is equal good for equal bad. Maybe that's the best way to put it. So for as amazing as our technology can be and has been and, and the amazing things like rocket ships that we can build, we will have equal terrible things like consequences or whatnot with it. This is kind of like the last episode where we talk about, hey, now we have cars and now we can get places really fast, but now we have car wrecks. Right. Now we have um, convenient food options and disposable packaging, but now we have cancer. You know, like... I was, I've been thinking about that a lot because you even talked about it the other day. It's horrible and incredibly unfortunate, but I have seen several kids now who have cancer that we personally like have some sort of connection to. Oh, yeah. And it's, and again, I guess who knows? I mean, I guess we do kind of know in the past that, that kids did die for other reasons, but it's not like... Well, and we we're know stopping, it, it's stopping be, these deaths. Now we're just changing it to something else. Like society knows. We know what carcinogens are. We know. Like if you burn meat on a grill, you're creating carcinogens. We know that. If I go to a structure fire, a house fire, the smoke that is coming out of those windows is carcin- carcinogenic, right? Um a lot of the the synthetic materials that the U.S. government allows uh, like allows contractors to use and allows uh, corporations and chemical companies to use, caught we know they cause cancer. They have carcinog- known carcinogens mm-hmm. in them. Um, well, yeah, and this is all coming out after that big train, right? Uh, um, Palestine, yeah, Ohio. like what is it like? Not crash, but like derailment, right? You know? Where they lit it on fire and yeah. probably poisoned the entire midwest um and and so i had a conversation uh many years back this is whenever i was in the fire academy and it was with uh one of the guys i was in the fire academy with uh, his name was toby bell he passed away a few years ago super sad but um we were having this conversation and he always accused me of being a liberal you know he was a little bit older um really into conservative thought. And we had this conversation over waste. Uh, and this was a lot of years ago. And I was saying like, dude, just the consumption that we have is immoral, right? The amount of trash that we produce is immoral. It's gluttony. And he he would come back at me and say, look, dude, we have, we have uh, garbage places we know how to do this we can dig big holes put all the garbage down in it cover the hole up and we'll have a park which in amarello thompson park is built on top of one of the landmines or landmines 
landfills, right? Kind of like and, a landmine. And that's why like glass is coming up all yeah. the time if you're playing disc golf out there or something. And they built a zoo on top of it, and they've got several different things on top at Creek. Coincidentally, runs right through the middle of it. Um, but it's just kind of this thought process of like. And, and this is always one of the things that's bothered me with like the conservative mode of thinking is it's kind of like, no, we need industry. Like what we need is pro like productivity. What we need is uh, Amazon to be able to drop a package out of the sky and have it land on your front porch. Like that's what we need is economic growth and development. And I'm, and that's always been the struggle, right? With, what I would say is like true American thought. Well, what know? we need is innovation. And I think because we've seen only one type of innovation, that's what we think it has to be. Well, I actually, But there's so many other types of true innovation that would really be so beneficial for us as a society. Well, I would, I would argue it a little bit too. Um, the system almost kind of rejects innovation to a sense because – not true disruptive innovation. I mean, that's, I think that's, should be in what is supposed to be the point of capitalism. Right. You're but, allowing for disruptive innovation. Right. Um, now it's just, let's just make a shit ton of money. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah. So, oh. well, I just think going off of this, just because we did kind of touch on it, so I think now is a good point to, or time to mention it. Because kind of like you were saying, how, your friend didn't understand the point of caring about waste. And, I mean, we've both dealt with that with friends. Like, what's the point? Ha ha. Don't be a hippie. Right, don't be a hippie. Yeah, how Tree silly. Hugger. Like, I mean, how how dare you care about this? Like, it's, it's just kind of mind-blowing the responses that you get from people. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I know a lot of people just don't know. But I think at the same time, Waste is such an interesting topic because it literally is at the forefront of every other topic, right? So look at politics and climate change and feminism because you think about, like, the women who are literally uh, making the clothing or toys that we're buying. Right. Um, you know, even children, like child labor. So then I think of religion and Christianity, like, wanting to actually do the right thing and help people. If we talk food and health and our water and our bodies, if we talk about economy and money, it's all related to waste. You cannot get rid of it. So it is literally tied to everything in our lives, yet we ignore it. And it's one thing in my mind that we should all be agreeing upon, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Christian, atheist, feminist, not a feminist, whatever. I mean, I just don't understand how we can't not agree on this. Like, hey... Let's just not, like, ruin our planet, and let's not um, have, like, child labor in awful working conditions, which well, what I mean, we the have, thing, like... The thing about child labor is they have to make money. <laughs> I mean, they need that 50 cents a day. Well, and I don't think... Again, it's just not something you think about unless you're exposed to it, but, like, the cheap clothing we buy is cheap for a reason. Right. And the cheap food we buy is cheap for a reason. Everything is cheap for a specific reason. It's well, and, not meant to be cheap. It's cheap, and the right people are making the money. Yeah. The wrong people aren't making the money. So to me, it's just... Whenever whenever they're saving money, right, they're making it a cheaper product and cutting costs, that's not hitting the, the fat cats. Yeah. So like Christians book. should be against 
waste and consumerism. Liberals should be against waste and consumerism. Conservatives should be against waste and consumerism. Like, and to be fair, to to uh, just throw a little bit of a caveat here, we're not talking about like the mom and pop flower shop that's selling, yeah. you know, thirty bouquets or whatever. We're not talking about young, like we're not talking about small business owners, right? We're talking about like. Coca-Cola and McDonald's. I'm talking and about Walmart. both. Well, and both. I think that's an unpopular opinion, but I'm talking about both. Well, and and I think I think it is on the smaller scale you can be more responsible. It's almost easier to be more responsible. Yeah. The only problem is then it then it does run up this cost that almost then becomes to where only the big people can compete or only have a product. I don't yeah. know. It's it's really complicated. And I don't know. I mean, this is a topic we knew we were going to get into at some point on, like, whose responsibility is it to make this change? Are you ready to go there yet? Um, yeah, let's go there. Okay. Because this, I think, then you can get into the reduce, reuse, recycle. Because there's a big question of, like, is it personal responsibility or is it consumer or um, corporate responsibility? Right. And I get it. Because, like, whenever I look it up and, like, ask people about recycling or being more sustainable the number one answer is it's not my problem until coca-cola has to be more sustainable i don't care and that's a very very valid point that hey they tell us my if i use a straw i'm killing turtles but yet amazon coca-cola mcdonald's walmart are all mass producing and just mass polluting their earth so it does. I I understand that is so true, and I I would love for any government to actually regulate mass no pollution. No government. That's well, the problem. That's my. Then problem. how do you do it? And I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. That's the. That's where I. I always, mean, I guess I actually do have a thought on that. I actually wonder. I I almost imagine some of these problems are only created because government exists. Like. If government didn't exist, right, and we didn't think that there was an EPA that was actually regulating the environment for our health, maybe we would actually look into what a corporation is doing and uh, actually well, have some way of some way of uh, like being like, look, if you are dumping toxic waste into rivers, you're we're not going to buy your shit. Instead, they they dance around in court and keep selling and keep dumping. You know, yeah. It's hard because, again, I do think corporations need to be held accountable for what they're doing. At the same time, I think the consumer is perfectly responsible and holding or perfectly able to hold them accountable. Stop buying Cokes. And now, again, like I'm never saying that like we can completely overthrow a company or that it should be our job or whatever. But we have immense power that I don't think we even want to recognize. And I'm not saying never buy anything plastic again because it's just not perfect. Like, I mean, nobody can do that. Nobody can achieve that in today's society. But really, if everyone stopped shopping at Amazon, unless you truly needed something, it would not be a multi-billion dollar company. And then it's really hard to say, well, what do you truly need? Like, Well, that okay, I will say this because do you know what I use on for Amazon for? Like what I buy off of Amazon? Books. Used books. And specific used books so when i was in school i could get very affordable used textbooks and it was one of the only places i could find it and actually get it shipped to me in a timely manner that is what i used amazon for 
And now I'm not saying I never use Amazon for anything else, but I do try not to when I don't have to. Which that is interesting because that's how that company started originally. Yeah, so I think it has purpose. I'm not trying to say, like, let's just kill all these companies. I hate them. But when we put them back in the place they're supposed to be in, well, and, you know? and it and it is just well, let's let's talk about corporate trash. Okay, get into that because whenever I was growing up, I distinctly remember Earth Day, Trash Day, uh, being educated on reduce, reuse, recycle, watching cartoons, Magic School Bus, and stuff. And, um, and kind of being like, oh man, if there's trash on the ground, I've got to stop. And I've noticed it with Emmett. Emmett's and really big on they, Camp They've Litter. really been, I mean, they've stayed pretty consistent over my entire lifetime of convincing kids that it is bad to be a pollute, a polluter and bad to cause trash and litter and all these different things. But at the same time, they've also been programming those same kids, me included, to be rampant consumers and produce a shit ton of trash, right? Yeah. There's no way that, what was it, 90 tons that you said I'm going to produce in my lifetime? 90,000. Oh, 90,000 tons? 90,000 pounds. It was 90,000 pounds. Oh, 90,000 pounds. Okay. Well, I don't know why I was saying tons, but so 90,000 pounds of trash. There's no way that I can reduce, reuse, and recycle that right uh, well reduce i could reduce that amount and i could reuse yeah i think reduce is the most is the only way that we'd combat this at all and also for like for instance one of the companies that we've really i would say latched onto and really enjoyed using their products a lot recently is uh volumens oh Dairy. yes i love it and so they actually do glass bottles. So it's a like a dollar deposit. It's a two dollar deposit. Two dollar deposit on the glass um, bottles, and uh, you bring it back. And when you when you buy a new bottle, if you turn your old bottle in, that two dollars rolls over to the next bottle. Or I mean, they can just even give you two dollars back if you just want to buy the one bottle and be done. They'll just hand you two dollars. Right. You get your deposit back. You get your deposit back. But it's interesting because that. Is a way, yes, it creates a little bit more traffic, right? Because you're having to now take the bottle back. Oh, it's so inconvenient. Well, I'm no, not even I'm necessarily saying I think that's what most people say is like, that's inconvenient. Well, what I would say is, so now the argument could be made beyond inconvenience. You have to use fuel. Right to transport those but glass bottles from one point. I don't think so. I guess when I think about me doing it, we're already doing. Like, we take them when we're already going to the store. No, no, I'm saying now. Imagine you got a delivery guy who drops off bottles, picks up. Well, I guess. He, but he was already doing that with. And if he was already going to drive back to, I don't know. To me, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe with the glass bottles, it's a, it's a even easier sell. But to me, I, I do. A, I appreciate, right, that each time I finish a half gallon of milk, which is fairly often, I don't have to throw a plastic. Because we go through a lot of milk. Yeah, that's a lot of plastic. It's a lot of plastic. And so even something as simple as that, right, just reusable milk containers, right, Uh, egg cartons, reusable egg cartons, uh, 
I like the plastic bags. That's a big one. Yeah. You know? And I've gotten really bad at it and I hate and, it. Like, and I think now granted this is going to be a little bit of like a uh, soapbox thing to say or preaching from the soapbox or whatever is uh, our consumption of fast food as a society is appalling. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it's so weird to me that now granted I'm not big I'm not a big time cook. You know, I don't do a whole lot of cooking. You do all the cooking. Uh, sh- you know, Shannon does all the cooking. And so my thing is it's hard for me because I kind of get the benefit of that. Typically if we go out to eat it's we try to go to like a nice nicer restaurant just because if we're going to go out to eat, might as well eat something nice. I always say if I'm going to go out to eat, I want to eat something that I can't make at home. Right. And I can, I mean, not saying it's going to be the best food ever, but I can at least make most things at home. Well, and it's, so anyway, the amount of trash that is produced from just going through the drive-thru yeah. is astounding. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we could, we as a society could just do certain very small changes well and this is where again okay i go back to my comment about like holding mom and pop shops accountable as well as corporations accountable because do i think that mom and pop shops um produce this or like have the same responsibility over pollution and sustainability as huge corporations no the onus should be on huge corporations to start and to be held accountable for their actions way more than any small store. I just want to put that out there. Like obviously what they're doing is horrific on another scale and they need to be held accountable. And I'm not trying to say that that's what small businesses are doing at the same time. I feel like each individual has responsibility. And I do think that often that gets ignored that we use huge corporations as a scapegoat Mm. while also buying from these huge corporations. Right. Oh well, I'm not gonna do anything until Coca Cola does. As I drink my Coca Cola. Well, and I'm and I'm bad. I'm bad. Now, granted, I don't drink Coca Cola. I'm sure I consume Coca Cola products, but uh, yeah, no. And I mean, to get off the soapbox, back down to the normal <laughs> level. Uh, I am very bad. We are all. Yeah, like, here, I'm not trying. The, we're not you know perfect. But you know what's crazy is so Terrence McKenna. I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, but I'll do it for the crowd. Uh, Terrence McKenna used to have this talk where he talked about he uh, was tripping mushrooms and he decided to conversate with the mushroom spirit or whatever. And he asked the entity or the intelligence that he claims that he was making contact with. He said, how can we save the planet? You know, pretty lofty goal. How can we save the planet? You know, and the mushroom said back to Terrence, if every American woman only had one child, that would save the planet. Hmm. And he was like, wow, that was kind of interesting. I wasn't really anticipating that. And so I kind of, you know, he said he processed it afterwards, looked up some numbers. And it was saying that the amount of material that each American child consumed was like the equivalent of thousands of third world babies. Oh, yeah. Right? And so he was saying the answer is not in, hey, let's go to these third world countries and get them to stop having babies. 
It's no, let's go let's to the technology, the ones who are, like you said, we're producing, we have way smaller por- portion of the population of the world, but we're producing way more trash. Well, and I think too, um, all of us, me yeah. included. Hold on. I just started something. I literally just went blank on what I was going to say. Sorry. Oh yeah. Cool. No, I know what I was going to say. Especially nowadays, it's really trendy to be sustainable, which on one hand is good. At least maybe it's starting a conversation about sustainability. But you see all these companies like H&M will have sustainable jeans. And first of all, when you look into it, it's really, they're really not sustainable. They just have labeling that says words. Um, But I think the one topic that really doesn't get touched on a whole lot is to be truly sustainable is to buy less. You're not going to buy your way into sustainability. It just... Never going to happen. You're not going to buy your way into less waste. You're not going to buy your way into any of that. Like right. the biggest change that you can make single-handedly is just buying less, you know? And this is kind of interesting, which we've talked about plenty of times before, but again, it does seem to be kind of a thing now to care, right? Like I, there's more conversations now than I've heard in a long time about plastic water bottles and straws and any just single-use plastic item, right? <clears throat> but then it's just kind of interesting because I do think you have these young people like saying, oh, well, we've got to save the planet. And then you have like my grandmother who's saying, don't tell me what to do. I had my glass bottles and I had potato sack dresses and I've had the same furniture for 50 years you know and and especially like she gets a lot of that from her parents and grandparents but they you wore the same clothing well they were depression era right they wore the same clothing yeah not my grandmother but her her parents or grandparents her grandparents were or no her parents her parents were. yeah so she was raised in that kind of mindset of of just well i mean if you got you kind of think about you know we have terms like post-traumatic you know, stress disorder and all yeah. this sort of stuff. You're talking with people who lived through one of the largest economic collapses. Well, and I think some of it's just like they had a rural farming lifestyle right, too, right. where it's like you don't need, you don't even need five pairs of shoes. You know, like you just need your church shoes, your work shoes. You need a few pairs of clothes. And guess what? If they rip, you sew them. Right. You know, if your pillowcases rip, you sew it. if a toy rips you fix it it's just it's not just trash you actually fix things and again like i've discussed this with nanny a lot because it's so fascinating seeing her trying to understand today's just consumerism because again she talks about her dining set which you've heard her talk about it Mm -hmm. it was a big deal because when you go and buy your dining set that is your dining set for the next 40 years and today it's like well i'll buy it and in a year or two if i don't like it i'll get rid of it and you know, get a new dining set. And now, again, I'm, I'm, if I switch out furniture, I'm selling it. I'm not just throwing it away. But it's just how we view things. Right. They viewed it as permanent. And, and um, well, I don't know. It's, we, uh, we live in a very uh, disposable yeah. society where everything is disposable. It's like our furniture, we buy it from Ikea, and it's really disposable. Well, right? and, and this is where I will say like, I do understand the counter-arguments because even Nanny will ask me, like, why are you shopping at Ikea and not buying real-world furniture? It's like, well, have you seen the prices of real-world furniture? Right. I mean... Well, like, <laughs> there, it's very difficult because there's so many different things that are conflating around this issue because we have 
the economic side of it, which none of this stuff I'm really familiar with or understand, you know, it's just, I'm trying to kind of, but you know, they say that we have, uh, significantly less purchasing power than like nanny had. Right. Yeah. So I, I do remember we were talking to, and how old is nanny? Do you remember? 70? No, she's, she's almost her, 80. I thought she was in her eighties. Yeah. She might be 80. Okay. Uh, one time we were talking with, with Nanny and she was saying that, uh, she was like, you know, I never knew any of my friends that didn't own houses. Oh yeah. You know, it was just like, why would you not own your own? Like, why would you not buy a house? And like, I'm pretty sure your granddad kind of chimed in too. And he was kind of like, I don't understand this young generation and why they wouldn't want what we had. Yeah. And you and know, they didn't realize that it was just unattainable. It's unattainable. Like a lot of a lot of individuals who are trying to buy that first house or really uh, invest in something that, like for instance, if I went to go buy a forty year table, I couldn't afford that forty year table. It's too expensive. Yeah, I don't have well, the purchasing power with with the dollars that I earn. And I'll say this too. Speaking of my granddad, he got an eighth grade education, and then was able to go on. And he was a photographer for many years, literally traveled, traveled the world. Yeah. I mean, traveled the entire world working with different, like, cruise companies and whatnot, for, like, doing photography. Then he became an air traffic controller and did that very well for many years. Oh, yeah. And then he was, like, a consultant even after he retired. Yeah. So with just an eighth grade education, he was able to have, like, incredible careers. Through the military. Yeah. And then buy a nice house. I mean, they mm -hmm. – I mean – I, when I, I was actually discussing this with Nanny just the other day because the house that they had in Fort Worth was a really nice house. I can't, I mean, maybe a four bedroom. I have to think of it now. Nice house, like two living rooms and a big pool that they put in in the backyard. And she was saying now that the pool costs, I think, $5,000 to put in. Then. then. Well, yeah, then. But it's just, and she couldn't even believe when I told her pools nowadays are like $100,000. Yeah. You know, and she was like, I just thought 5000 was going to give me a heart attack. Right. <laughs> you it, know? It is, it, it is wild when you, when you do think about that, when you start to think that part of the reason that the corporations can sell us trash and disposable everything and make everything disposable is because we can't afford anything more than that. You know, I mean... Uh, even like food costs. I mean, you start looking at local farms, buying from local people, and just the amount of labor and effort that goes into producing food. Yeah. And then you walk into Walmart, you know, like imagine if we were producing chickens, right? And the amount of work it would take us to produce chickens and high quality chickens. And it costs us, you know, the only way we can make a profit is by selling it for $8 a chicken. And then that same person turns around and they walk into Walmart, go to the back shelf, and they see a chicken for $2, yeah. right? It's like, it's almost like everything's been made so cheap it, yeah. that you almost can't. Well, that's what's so hard is because on one hand, I, I personally think there's a personal responsibility for us to be ethical. At the same time, there's only so much that many people can do. And I also acknowledge that. And that's what I was going to say with Michael Schur when I was talking about him being on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Is that was his whole thing. As he said, it is unfair philosophically to hold like one individual as responsible as an entire corporation. That's just not the way we can go about doing it. Like it won't make any sense, right? Right. So what he said is like, you just have to ask yourself like, what can I do better today? Because for me at least... 
I feel like I have a moral responsibility. So even if I think me using um, a reusable bottle or bringing my sacks to the grocery store isn't actually doing anything, I still want to do it because that's who the person I want to be. Mm. And that's what he kind of said. Like at the end of the day, who, who do you want to be? And are the actions that you're doing reflecting who you want to be? Right. So I think on one hand, I have just like a moral obligation to this is the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a person that cares about the waste I'm producing. So because of that, I'm going to make small changes. Again, I'm not doing anything drastic and I want to be more drastic. But like I'm going to make small changes to start becoming a better person who cares about waste. Now on the flip side, that's not going to fix the consumption problem in America. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think now maybe if everyone started doing that, I personally do think there's hope that that would actually fix things because I do think corporations listen to consumers because that's their pocketbook. Well, and I know we were talking about this a little bit the other day, but it's like if all packaging, like let's say that composting was like uh, the American pastime, right? Everybody just composted. It was just kind of like you meet around the water cooler in the morning and it's like hey man how's your, how's compost. your uh, compost going you know it's going great right and imagine if all of the packaging like you actually bought from companies because their packaging was really good for your compost you know it, it's not very difficult to imagine a world shift like that because it's doable it's, it's doable and and we have doable. we have like the technology and the ability and the marketing budget, right? We have the marketing budget to where we could just shift all of the development and production over into compostable materials. Yeah. It's just certain billionaires would maybe become only, uh, instead of being multi-billionaires, they'd only be billionaires and that'd be really sad. I mean, I'd be sad about that, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, let's hit, let's hit it with these uh, parting thoughts real quick. Okay. Um, you were saying that, uh, your parting thought was going to be uh, unintended consequences and cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I think that that's actually what I wrote at the top of my notes. Because as I was going through these trash facts, just reading about trash, I wrote cognitive dissonance. How do I live in this society and equally hate it? <laughs> and I enjoy so many parts of society. I'm not trying to act like I just hate everything. Um, but how do I, how am I participating in this? Yet, I'm so disgusted by what I'm participating in. And how how do I move forward with that? I mean, when there's really no good answer, again, I, I'm going to do my very small part because it's just what I want to do. But at the end of the day, I'm still surrounded by waste and it's still just, I don't know. Like, it just hurts. I don't, I, I how do you go about living in that? That's just, that's what I was thinking about the entire time. I was like, man, this just sucks. Like, golly, we're just leaving behind so much and I don't, I don't know what to do, you know? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. So are you done with your final Well, thought? let me just say one last thing. Cause this was the only thing I wanted to touch on was just how quickly this has happened. That's, I think what I was trying to get at with the history and, you know, I don't know if we ever explicitly discussed it. But for 99.9% human, of human history, this has not existed. This has not been a problem. It's literally been within like the past 40 years mm -hmm. that this has become 
not just an issue, but like the issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It has become such a thing that I, and so I, I, I just, I look at nanny all the time, my grandmother and think, how did we go from her to me? And just in these few short generations. In one generation early. Well, I mean, and like I said, she might not be the best representation of her whole generation because she did like live this really rural lifestyle and had parents who were incredibly frugal. So maybe you could say her parents' generation. But still, from like her parents to her, her to my mother and my mother to me, it has gone from having a few pairs of clothes, a couple pairs of shoes, and a few like wooden toys you know to this like what we have today and that i think is what disturbs me is just how quickly it has happened and so what does that look like like we don't even know the consequences to this yet um i don't know i don't have like resolutions to these thoughts i don't have answers to them they're just thoughts in my head that's my parting thought like they're just thoughts for people to think about right your turn okay so this is a This is a little bit of an addendum. Uh, Y'all are not going to experience any time, but for us, it's been about a week and a half since we recorded what you've been listening to. And both of us wanted to to do a little bit of an addendum to this episode, mostly because my uh, exiting thoughts were not as well-developed as I would like. And also, well, go ahead, Shannon. What did you have to say? Okay. Yeah, I kind of wish we could do this every single episode because I feel like we record and you just say a bunch of things and then later, either that later that day or throughout the week, I feel like I'm just always thinking like, man, I should have said this or I wanted to clarify this or just whatever. So it's kind of nice to have an opportunity to do that. So for this episode, I, I know I had mentioned that small business owners, individuals, everyone else who's not giant corporations, they still have responsibility to um, be sustainable, Which to care. Which I did try to call you off in the episode. Yes. You didn't listen to me. <laughs> well, because I mean, I still stand by it, that they have responsibility. But I did want to clarify and say, like, no, I don't think that small business owners, for example, have the exact same responsibility as Coca-Cola. Because how can they? They don't. Yes. They don't have the same footprint. I do think that you just need to, like, a corporation, for example, has the bandwidth to do more. Therefore, they should be doing more. Um, an individual only has a certain amount of bandwidth that they can really do, and depending on what your resources are, that's going to change from individual to individual. Well, and, and that's what I was trying to state. I think in the episode was economic drivers kind of force your hand when you're a small business owner it's either it's either like i'm going to strive to be sustainable or i'm going to keep the doors open yeah and i get that so i'm not i wasn't trying to say that like every single person must be doing the most that they can do or else i'm going to judge you Uh, but on the flip side i just never want to say we're all absolved of having any responsibility unless coca-cola does right i guess i just don't fundamentally like that either and it i mean obviously from like a government point of view that should be the case like coca-cola amazon corporations should be held accountable before individuals are right but i i think that corporations are actually viewed as individuals 
in some regards. There's a weird. But they're not. Yeah. They're not persecuted or prosecuted the same way. There's like a lot more uh, layers of yeah. protection. So yeah, I guess I just wanted to clarify that by no means do I think an individual should be held to the same accountability as large corporations. Because the corporations are the ones that are producing the trash. Yes. To me, that's that puts a little bit more responsibility on the corporations. Where, whereas individuals, especially like a small business shop owner or just a small business, they're receiving the materials that have already been been made. Yeah. And then basically just passing passing most of that stuff on. Yeah. So it's not really like they're creating a whole lot. Yeah. More. I just still want all individuals to be aware of what's going on and to find ways that they can partake in being sustainable. But no, I'm not putting the onus on them to make up for everything that the corporations aren't going to do. Right. That's all. Is that all you were wanting to say? That was it. Okay. I, that really bothered me. I just, yeah. I didn't like it. I gave you the moment and the moment <laughs> I attacked you on it a little bit and you were like, no, I was like, yeah, well it's mostly corporate now. Yeah, I know. It, it, which is fine. It's fine. So, my my uh, outro, my uh, final parting thoughts. What I was wanting to leave you with is: first off, let me tell you a little bit of how compost works. Right, a compost pile. It's a little bit important to understand how it works. And basically, what you're doing is you're you're combining biodegradable material. And this biodegradable material can either be in the form of carbon or nitrogen or a lot of other minerals, right? And you you combine it all with some water and with, with the proper moisture and with air. The air is when you have to turn it. You have to turn the compost pile regularly to make sure that there's air for the microbes to eat. But then it it uh it eats it it and produces compost, which so like the pile will start out as a whole bunch of distinct separate parts. So you might have plant waste, you might have food waste, you might have wood chips, you might have yard clippings, right? All these different things. And the first flip, you can see all these distinctive things. But through successive flipping, it ends up becoming all like one material, which is soil. Uh, and so... What I what I like with the what I want to metaphorically or you know maybe use it as a as a as a tool to lens your own life is like what about you is trash, right? Everybody has things about them that are trash, and then the question is, are the, is it like toxic, right? Is it of no use at all, or is it something that can be like composted, you know? Because uh, there are aspects of us, like, for instance, all of us have, like, emotional baggage and shit. And some of that stuff is just trash. You just got to figure out a way of just getting rid of it. But other aspects of it, you can actually compost, right? So, like, a lot of artists take their pain or their hurt, they, you know, turn it over a few times and then make art out of it. Or, you know, make something beautiful that the world can then use to build out of right it's almost a way of like taking the waste and turning it into something useful right and so the other thing that this really made me kind of think of is the opportunity to apply the same principle to not only your internal internal emotional 
being, but also your lifestyle in general, which we kind of touched on several times in this episode is lifestyle changes. And look at your lifestyle and like picture what is trash about your lifestyle. A lot of people spend a lot of times in their cars. They spend a lot of times going to and from work, a lot of times stressing about work, even when they're home, you know, like there's a lot of aspects of our lifestyles that imagine, right, if you, if you, like, let's say we took everything about our lifestyle, trying to stick with this metaphor as, as tightly as possible, but it's pretty loose. But if you mull it all over, flip it several times, what's going to be the fertile soil that you actually grow like happiness out of, right? And in my opinion, that's like things that are still going to be there at the end is like family and friends and, uh, you know, just your direct surroundings, right? We live in a very, and I know I was in this mindset whenever we were younger, where all we wanted to do was travel all the time. We wanted to travel, go rock climbing here, travel this and that. Well, by the end of traveling all the time, you come back to your house well, maybe your house is like in disarray, right? Your yard's overgrown, you know, you haven't cleaned or something. I don't know exactly. It, and like I said, this uh, the metaphor itself is kind of composting at this point, right? It's like breaking itself down. It's it does this doesn't like go far. But the main uh, thing that I was wanting to like say is like, don't be afraid to compost not only your biodegradable food materials in a compost pile but also compost the things about your life that are holding you back that are that are causing um everything to not be us uh, you know fertile so to speak but uh, do you have anything to say about that was that pretty loose loose but i think i fall i mean i get what you're saying the overall point is there right i was just trying to think if i'm going with the theme of composting i think i can look at it like if i composted my life is it producing nutritious soil or is it just dirt? That's a good way of saying it. It's like if your whole life were turned into – like there are some aspects of our trash that is toxic and some aspects of it that lead to fertility. I mean this is going to get uh, very literal, but like – okay. <laughs> if you were to compost your human waste – like your feces, is it nutritious or is it just toxic? Right. I mean, that's like a very literal way of looking at it well, because that actually about, is like what kind of food are you eating? What are you doing to your body? Yeah, and even the manure, if you're going to use manure in your compost, you have to be careful as to what that cow was fed or how many antibiotics it was given because yeah. that will be in the shit. Yeah, so that's so you, just one thing. But yeah, then you can look at the rest of your life and see, am I producing nutritious soil or not? Nice. Well, hopefully that kind of wrapped it up. Like I said, um, I was wanting to re-record it because it still wasn't a fully digested idea. And even in this moment, I still don't think it's fully digested. Well, it's hard because we could either spend a lot of time researching, studying, planning. But that's not necessarily what this podcast is. Like, we're not giving the audience, like, a fully... Um, researched informative episode yeah the idea is that you take you take the ideas that we are spouting out and then you develop See what you're interested in and go follow up yeah and then maybe hopefully you you shoot us a message saying 
hey, I thought that was interesting, but did you consider? Yeah. And then that's that's Cause there's where, no way we're gonna be able to consider all. No, nah, we can't consider it all. So, and I mean, we're we're only is. two people. We're only yeah, two people only in this people. world. Um. Okay. Quick. Uh. Quick announcements on this outro. We are going to try to start uh, next month. We're going to try to start a, a second uh, episode, which is kind of like what we're doing at this moment. It's like uh, an opportunity for us to do an addendum to the episode a little bit. So we're going to try to release the episode a lot earlier in the month and do two episodes in a month. So the first episode of the month, which will just be a standard episode like you just heard, and then the second episode of the month will be uh, Coffee with the Kearleys, I think is what we're going to call it. And it'll be a little bit of an addendum, uh, you know, saying what we wish we had said in the episode. But also, hopefully there's comments. If people have left comments, we'll address those. And then also just chit-chatting. I mean, we, um, we go in a lot of weird directions just naturally. We have a lot of interesting conversations about a slightly nuanced topic. So... In the coffee with the Kirleys, it might, you know, Taylor Swift might pop up or like pop culture type things or just random new things that we've learned or that we found interesting. Um, You know, like for instance, yesterday I had this interesting YouTube video that just popped up and it talked about how uh, Abraham Lincoln was uh, the United States first like tyrant dictator. And it was very convincing. It had some very interesting points, and it was like a little bit of an alternative history. And so uh, one of the things that they said in that was that um, the institution of slavery was actually uh, fortified by banks because banks had made loans on uh, personal property, right? If I want to start a business, I get a loan from the bank then I can't just turn around and dissolve that business or get rid of the property. And so it was just really interesting to me that you might have had slave owners who disagreed with this, the institution of slavery and wanted to free their slaves, but they couldn't because the bank was like holding them back. So anyway, we might talk about some stuff like that. You know, who knows? Uh, it could get That one will get a little wild. And uh, if you like when we get into the weeds, that will definitely be, you know, off the beaten path in the weeds in the trees so anyway hopefully you tune in for that also check out our website uh i have two short stories up right now i need to i have more that i need to just publish i have them they're already done uh they're just not up on the website but the two episodes i do have out uh are two um stories that i do have out one's called uh victims of progress and it uh, kind of trails uh, a deer that gets hit by a car and then the other one is Liquid Courage, um, and you know it kind of deals with uh, being at a bar at two in the morning and contemplating suicide. So, both <laughs> casually throw that in there. Yeah. So uh, both of them are kind of interesting, and I'd like to hear y'all's uh, opinions on them. Anyway, um, thank y'all for listening, and until next time, peace. Goodbye.